Welcome, fraud fighters, to another episode of the Digital Trust and Safety Insider Podcast, brought to you by SIFT, the leader in digital trust and safety. Today, we're joined by Jeff Sakasagawa, trust and safety architect at SIFT. Jeff has spent over a decade fighting fraud for Google, Facebook, Square, and now SIFT, helping democratize access to machine learning powered protection against online abuse. As the summer season hits, marking the second anniversary of the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, e-commerce merchants and other online providers find themselves facing something all too familiar, disrupted consumer demand and behavior, supply chain shortages, unchecked inflation, and global socioeconomic unrest. But where 2020 saw experience-centered industries tank, the summer of 2022 is poised to be a busy one for travel and hospitality, digital goods and services, and fintech which means an even busier summer for experienced fraudsters on the hunt. I'm your host, Arwen Heredia, and this is the Endless Summer of Fraud. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Arwen, and thanks to everyone for listening to us today. Awesome. Um, Well, getting right into it, uh, with a possible recession looming, industry experts are calling this the summer of hell when it comes to online security and overall profitability across markets. What should trust and safety pr- practitioners be focusing on right now? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say, honestly, it's preparing your defenses. And if it's not preparing them, strengthening the ones you have in place. I can say one anecdote I always experienced in my work life was fraudsters love areas of little resistance. Mm. And traditionally with businesses, that's when people want to take their summer holiday. So yeah. think shorter <laughs> staff shorter staffs, um, you know, just less hands on keyboards, that's when fraudsters want to attack. So uh, to use your summer of hell parlance, (laughs) um, that's a lot of fraudster volume coming at businesses. So if you haven't experienced it just yet, um, be grateful, get to work. Um, If the house is on fire, it's time to start, you know, um, working on our defenses and pushing back against that fraudster volume. Yep. And when just digging in a little bit deeper, when fraud hits a business that is unprepared, what does that do to their sustainability, their profitability? What What's the outcome? Not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think there is enough um, macroeconomic pressures on businesses at the moment, which I think we're all feeling. The way you can think about it from a business profitability standpoint is any sale you might get you start to inherently distrust because it might be disputed by the mm-hmm. legitimate card hold later. Mm-hmm. Any account you bring onto your platform, you may distrust because you may be closing it later due to an account compromise or it was a born bad account or a fake account to begin with. Mm-hmm. So this has really dramatic and somewhat immediate effects for businesses. Yep. Um, and so we, we actually saw something similar not too long ago um, when COVID 19 hit in 2020. Uh, we saw disruptive behavior from consumers and reactivity from businesses. So what have you observed over the past couple of years that shapes how you think about fraud today? Yeah, so I, I don't know if it's just me when I look in the mirror, but uh, I, I see a really tired person. <laughs> um, I think when the pandemic started, fraud fighters who are generally overworked to begin with said, okay, the pandemic's starting, we have these crazy volumes, we just need to push for a couple months, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, that has extended into a couple years. Mm -hmm. And that is something that 
teams are having to to deal with, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, maybe put more succinctly, they're being asked to do more with less usually. Yeah. So uh, when you think about budgetary constraints, those weren't good to begin with for fraud teams. Um, companies are still being asked to grow because every sale becomes more important in an environment where maybe less sales are happening, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just continued pressure on fraud teams. So it's a continuing dialogue of how do we continue to be effective in our jobs in, unfortunately, what now is a two-year-long, tough working environment. Yeah. Um, and what's what's different this time around? I, there are different socioeconomic pressures and additional ones and the same ones. Um, but how could a like a deep or new recession impact all of these already pandemic driven fraud and disruption fraud disruptions? Because um, those are still echoing throughout, you know, the, the strategies that businesses are applying. They are still impacting consumer behaviors. The pandemic's not really over and neither is its impact. So what what are we looking at that's a little different now? Yeah, absolutely. I think what we're looking at differently is it's just the accumulation of these things, right? Mm -hmm. People generally want out <laughs> of their lives, <laughs> even if it's temporary, right? You know, yep. I need a vacation. I need a break from work. I need, you know, a, a way to operate more effectively and smartly, right? I think all of these conversations are kind of happening in parallel, depending on where your business is at its fraud journey and the fraud you're experiencing at the moment. Yep. So um, not to be like, keep continuing the tired point, but I think there is a, a fatigue somewhat. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it, it's one of those things where as much as possible, um, businesses need to take time to take a breath, give yourself that time to evaluate thoughtfully and respectfully what your fraud prevention methods are, where are they working or not, and do the necessary work uh, of changing those things. Um, because to your point, the disruption is still happening. We're still experiencing this fraud. So the, you know, the old adage rings true, you know, fraud is always changing. It's mm -hmm. even changing in a rapidly changing environment, right? So we just need right. to reflect that. Right. And then this means, uh, uh, you know, speaking of extra scrutiny that businesses are implementing, we're talking, you know, rising chargebacks are going to get more attention. Uh, and and what those that evidence looks like when you're fighting a chargeback is probably going to look different, too. Absolutely. Um, something I've heard at every place I've worked at is uh, growth hides problems. <laughs> and if money's coming in the door, you you know, you're not happy with the chargeback loss, but it's easier to say, hey, that's a future problem. Yeah. Um, the problem is now for a lot of these businesses. Mm -hmm. So while businesses were never happy with chargeback losses, I assure you um, more difficult conversations are being had in, in hallways at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to your sort of idea that people need a break from their life, uh, whether that is a temporary break because you need a vacation and to tune out because things are intense or you know, it's a business itself that maybe needs to take a step back and assess the strategy. Um, we were talking recently about the idea of FOMO fraud. So fear of missing out fraud, specifically as it relates to things like travel and hospitality and entertainment, even retail. Um, so what exactly is FOMO fraud and how does this relate to what we're talking about? What should consumers be watching out for? Absolutely. So I think one way you can think about this is 
we live in a social media age. We're bombarded with ads. Uh, depending on how conspiratorial you are, maybe that the ads are generated <laughs> by conversations you're having near your phone. But um, I know as it relates to travel and hospitality, I am certainly served videos of aquamarine waters, luxurious views of people mm -hmm. saying like, hey, I got out. Oh, this is just what I needed. Mm -hmm. this, this is so great. What consumers should be looking out for is those videos, you know, with an appeal that says, hey, consumer, this isn't just for me. It's also right. for you. But the way you can join <laughs> me is you pay 25% for the same vacation. Isn't that so smart? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be the right thing to do to pay 25%? Um, of course, uh, we just have to appreciate uh there are no deals like this in, in reality. <laughs> the, the way these are propagated is, is through fraud, right? Um, they're either purchased through, um, you know, stolen payment cards or with uh, stolen loyalty points from legitimate account holders. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, I, I appreciate uh, the, the human need to want to take advantage of these things. I think there's certainly a lot of reporting at the moment where just a normal vacation is just not if not impossible darn near impossible for mm -hmm. a normal family mm -hmm. so i i appreciate the the need to want to do something in, despite what we're experiencing but um as much as i can encourage people to again take a pause take a breath does this seem normal or uh, uh, uh should this be available to me a lot of times uh, it's probably mm -hmm. not and that's that's where the fraud's going to get you that's interesting this should this be available to me uh can be trumped very quickly by the I need this and I want it. <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, and you know what's interesting about this uh this idea is that this makes me think of the um story that we did recently on Telegram uh not too long ago about you know can you can you talk about that a little bit about what happened uh, on the Telegram site? Yes, absolutely. So for for the uninitiated Telegram is a chat app it kind of has you know chat rooms that you can join on various topics and what we've seen in our own research is uh there's a lot of communications out in the open advertising these kinds of deals or um you know exploits on how to you know propagate this kind of fraud so yeah. when when you think about the dark web quote unquote uh, a lot of times there's a an idea or a narrative that this is inaccessible to folks. Mm -hmm. But um, what we commonly see is fraudsters are directing legitimate customers to these channels to either purchase directly or to interact with them, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the way you can think about it is there's, um, not to be too unkind to that company, uh, I could say this applies to any company, mm -hmm. uh, maybe oversight could be better, let's say that. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, in these channels where these communications happen that uh, fraudsters can, you know, take advantage and, you know, really uh, start making those requests for money and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, on, I remember on that, in that particular story, we were talking about how uh, fraudsters were using, it was illegitimate credit cards in order to purchase discounted food that then they would deliver to a second um person who technically was also committing fraud, but started out as a legitimate consumer. So one yes. thing that's really interesting about this and is I would love for you to help draw the line between consumer vulnerability and this recession that is seeming to be 
coming for us and then rising fraud rates and like what what do all of these things create as what's the storm that we're waiting to happen yeah so there's a lot that goes into that i think consumer vulnerability it, you know it, it builds on what we've talked about right where there's just increased interest where maybe there wouldn't have been before Mm -hmm. I, I was I was listening to an article recently where because of inflation, um, a woman was buying cheaper eggs for her mm -hmm. breakfast in the morning. And that's like a dollar, you know. Right. So like any savings of a material amount, people will be attracted to and they may totally. ignore some red flags. Um, so, again, to the recession point, this is these things are tied pretty um, heavily together. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have an environment where maybe consumers are more inclined to interact. The recession is forcing that upon them. And then as it relates to rising fraud rates, the the way you can think about your metrics um, is one, if uh, volume, uh, good processing volume or sales volume is high, your fraud rate can stay pretty low because you have enough good money coming into the till. Mm -hmm. um, conversely, if there's less money coming into the till, your fraud rates increase or they can also increase just because you're experiencing more fraud. Uh, see the first point on consumer right. vulnerability. So <laughs> I think uh, there's always, you know, businesses are always safeguarding themselves against fraudsters or they're trying to, right? For what they norm, their normal amount of shenanigans, right? Right, totally. Now we're operating in an environment where there's a normal amount of shenanigans plus just um, consumers participating uh, mm -hmm. unknowingly a lot of the time. Yeah, and we talked about this a couple of years ago also when COVID first hit, we saw uh, you know, more and more consumers participating in friendly fraud and even had discussions around businesses, uh, biz small business owners in particular who were suffering so much more under the um, you know, the financial implications of what shutting down looked like uh, for everyone at that point that they were, you know, doing massive chargebacks, possibly yeah. on huge orders um, that were meant for their restaurants or, or other businesses. So um, we've seen it. Uh, we've ac actually seen it very recently play out uh, that way. Um, so one, uh, one thing I want to talk about, too, that how that feeds into that is social engineering. Um, can you talk a little bit about social engineering? Like, what is it exactly, first of all, and why should fraud analysts care? Yeah, a uh, uh Generalization, you can think about it is uh, social engineering involves fraud that's committed uh, by compromising a person as opposed to a system. Wow. So don't think of a password. Think of asking someone in your life to give you that password. That, that would be the difference. The latter <laughs> mm -hmm. would be social engineering. Where this becomes really critical for fraud analysts is the idea of, you know, the call is coming from inside the house. If there are any <laughs> screen fans out there, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like uh, they're in the house. Amazing. Film. And, exactly, right? <laughs> um, so uh, a, a tried and true mechanism that fraud fighters will use is aberrant behavior, unique mm -hmm. behavior. Hey, this is a new device we haven't seen before. This mm -hmm. is a new IP address we haven't seen before. The really nasty thing about social engineering where a legitimate consumer may be taking actions or directions from a fraudster directly is those signals are now consistent with what you mm -hmm. associate with legitimate activity. Oh, Jeff's still wow. using the same device. He's logging in from the same internet service provider. Everything looks okay. Let's let that high dollar order through or high yep. euro order through. So one thing I would encourage fraud teams to consider, which again, should have been evident two years ago, but 
bears repeating now. Mm -hmm. uh, we cannot cannot presume anymore that behavior will remain consistent. We can't take for granted that past behavior um, that was legitimate will ensure pre, uh, future legitimate uh, activity as well. We really need to scrutinize this and have tooling and methods to to help us better differentiate between legitimate and fraudulent um, activity online. Yeah, and I I think of the great uh, toilet paper hoarding debacle of, <laughs> of 20, late 2020 and how that really was that kind of behavior, that consumer behavior where people were, everything was abnormal. And so there yep. was nothing to depend on, no data to, to really turn to. Um, and what's interesting about that is that that makes me think back to our FOMO fraud conversation, the idea of this like scarcity marketing. And it almost feels like sometimes consumers are reacting to perceived scarcity that may not actually be there, but it might. Um, and that sometimes that can be a catalyst in their behavior when it comes to being more um, vulnerable for, uh, to fraud. And I know that sometimes those consequences can look like maybe you even get tricked into buying a fake airline ticket or uh, making an illegitimate hotel booking. And then you end up, you're a traveler and you show up and you don't actually have that room booked. Um, so how do you feel like the this summer of fraud, this endless summer of fraud is gonna impact the second half of our year for online businesses? Like what does survival look like versus success? Yeah, so to be direct, I'm just anticipating more fraud losses and, mm -hmm. and more fraud victims, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you can do a quick search on your favorite search engine of choice and you know, there's always these annual reports like fraud losses, X billions <laughs> of billions of dollars. Yep. I mean, you know, we, we produce these as well. We so put them out, yep. <laughs> you know, we do. Um, I, I'm very curious to see what that looks like at the end of this year. I'm expecting it to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, and then as it relates to survival versus success, survival for me is having kind of static rule sets or something that can make decisions in mass for you, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm arguing that the worldview is we're being asked to do more with less, there's more volumes going on, you need mm -hmm. something to just help you out. There's there's yeah. only so many hours I can spend on a keyboard. Um, uh, apologies to my prior employers and maybe also <laughs> SIFT as well. Um, I am often will tell a joke, uh, my decisions are better at 9 a.m. than they are at 5 p.m. Uh, because <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. All right? yep. So so survival is, hey, we need we do need something to just help us out. And additionally, um, survival is we don't learn from that. It's just something that needs to get done. So let's just do it. I, I need to go home and see my family, right? Yep. Yep. Success is is the up leveling of that, right? Mm -hmm. We have decisions that are made that are automated, but they're scalable, and I'm learning from it, right? Mm -hmm. Should I have blocked this order? Should I have allowed this order? What are similar orders in the future that I should allow or block or send an authentication to, right? Yep. The, those are the things where you're really amplifying your human intelligence, having a technology that leverages you, amplifies you, makes you better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, aspirationally makes your life better. I, I don't yeah. want to like overstate this, but like you can get real life benefits from being able to go home. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> that's 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 success for me. Uh, yes. So hopefully you have the the strength uh, and the willingness, if not the <laughs> caffeine, uh, to start again tomorrow. That is amazing. Uh, 
Thank you so much. I appreciate the definition of survival versus success. I totally agree with that. Um, I, I hope that by the end of this year, uh, we are, I hope you're wrong. I hope that we are not looking back yeah, at more too. fraud victims, but I, you know, unfortunately it does look like that's where we're headed. So, um, you know, for businesses that are, are struggling right now to figure out like, what is the next step to take? Uh, it sounds like you know, just making sure that your ducks are in a row when it comes to your tech stack and when it comes to assessing vulnerabilities throughout the customer journey, um, just really making sure that those things are secure from start to finish uh, is, a, is a, and that can evolve with you um, as your business changes and goes through these different disruptions. Um, Thanks for listening to the Digital Trust and Safety Insider podcast presented by SIFT, the leader in digital trust and safety. For more fraud news and insights from our team of trust and safety architects, including Jeff, follow us on Twitter at GitSIFT and check out our new fraud intelligence center at sift.com slash fraud hyphen center. <laughs>